Hey everyone, Pastor Andrew here. Wanted to just give you a heads up on this week's podcast. Uh, on Sunday, I led us through a, a Bible study, what's called an inductive study. So I set up a time of observation, set up a time of interpretation, and then I shared some thoughts, sort of a short sermon during the application part, which is what you're going to listen to now. So the text that we used was Psalm 91, uh, verses 1 to 4, and then verses 14 to 16. Psalm 91 one to four, and then 14 to 16. Um, so if you want to go back and, um, and watch the whole study, you can do that on the YouTube, on our YouTube page. Uh, and if not, what you're about to hear is the final application section of the sermon. Hope your week is phenomenal. Love you and miss you all. And now we come to the final section, application. This is the moment in this simple Bible study um, that we ask, like, what truth does God want us to to see here? What lies does God want to expose maybe in our beliefs? What action do we need to take? Um, This is the section as I'm going through any text, especially a psalm or a song like this. I'm asking, what does it look like? what, what alterations do I need to make to my prayer life? Um, what ways do I need to practice gratitude? What places do I need to serve or give or reach out or repent? So what jumped out to me, like the immediate question for me in this psalm is, how do I understand this promise that God will keep me, will keep the writer there, will keep his people safe? And I think the key is in verse 15 where Moses says, I will be with you in trouble. So often, whenever we read the promises of God uh, in scriptures, they get distorted or they get diluted. This is like a regular thing. Um, And I can actually tell you what a distorted reading looks like here in Psalm 91, how the evil one wants you to read this section. This is like a rare moment. And the reason why I can say that with great confidence is, uh, this, is this passage is quoted um, by the, 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 the Satan, by the evil one, by the devil in the New Testament in talking with Jesus. In Luke 4, Jesus finds himself in the wilderness. We've talked a bunch about this passage over the last six months, tempted by evil. And he cites, the devil cites this psalm. Shakespeare, right, talks about how the devil is the one who can quote scripture uh, sort of better than anyone because this is how things are twisted. Um, And so verses uh, 11 to 12 um, this, or I think it's 10 to 11, actually, it, it gets quoted directly. And basically, there's this temptation um, that uh, from the devil to Jesus about his very identity and how God will take care of him. And a lot of this has to do with, like, you don't need to go to the cross. Don't suffer. You don't, you're not going to really need to suffer. If God really loves you, he will deliver you from the cross. If you're really God's, you can throw yourself down from the temple mount is the passage here. You can put yourself in harm's way and essentially do this sort of magic trick. And God, look, he promises he will always take care of you and keep you from any pain or whatever it might be. I I mentioned this, and you can go back and read this later if you want, but that was the connection for me in this passage, because this is a brilliant strategy. If the devil can get you to believe that if I believe in God, nothing bad will happen to me. If you actually believe that, then when bad things come, and they will come, you're going to pull back 
from God because you're going to say, look, the promise didn't work. The, the devil wants to th- like wants us to think that God's promises have failed like if we actually end up suffering. And maybe you're somebody who has believed that. Or maybe um, intellectually you're here, you're a follower of Jesus, you've been walking with Jesus a while, you've asked these big questions like how could a good God allow evil in the world? And you sort of um, – you intellectually like ascend to the right idea. You understand that, okay, yeah, I know just because I'm a follower of Jesus, I know I'm going to suffer. But you haven't actually allowed yourself to step deeply into the promises that are here about safety and protection and refuge. There's more to this promise than God sort of keeping you out of harm's way. So uh, if you want to turn um, at, to Genesis 50, uh, verse 20, it's in this section that we meet Joseph. Joseph is this character who's accused um, and enslaved. He is falsely convicted. And he comes to the end of his life, and there's this dramatic scene where he is facing his brothers, who did, by the way, all of this to him. And he says, quote, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You meant to do all of this for evil, but God meant all of these horrible things for good. What's Joseph saying here? That God brought something beautiful out of all of the pain, out of all of these circumstances. And if in some mysterious way he hadn't gone through all of this, he hadn't become a convict and thrown into jail. He wouldn't have become, as the end of the story, for those of you familiar with it, becomes sort of prime minister, saves thousands, saves an entire nation from famine, and even saves his dysfunctional family. Joseph, this seemingly spoiled kid who's headed in the wrong direction, can now say, all of that stuff that you guys over here meant for evil, all of the brokenness that existed in the world that brought me to this place, brought me through all of that, um, just all of these brutal circumstances. I know it was all meant for evil, but God did something with it. One way you could understand uh, all of this is simply God was keeping him safe when he was sold into slavery. God actually, in some way, this whole circumstance he used to keep him safe and to put him in the place that he needed to be. The psalmist says, I will be with you in trouble. Another verse that I was reminded of as I was reading through Psalm 91 was Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this passage isn't about finding like the silver lining. There are a lot of things in this world that are just plain bad. But Paul here is reminding us that for those who are aligned with Christ, you will see God working in and through hardships and in and through pain and in and through uncertainty, all of it for like an ultimate future good. Again, the psalmist in Psalm 91, I will be with you in trouble. One more. Luke 21, 16 to 18. Jesus says, you will be betrayed. He's talking to his disciples, even by parents and brothers and sisters and relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. This is really encouraging. And then he says, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. (laughs) I love these passages. You will go through so much hardship 
but by the way, not a hair of your head will be harmed. What does this mean? By your endurance, like you will be saved. Another translation says, stand firm and you will win life. Apparently, you will experience hardship and you will be safe. I think you can hear the echo of this psalm again. I will be with you in trouble. See, if you live for anything more than God, if there's anything in your life more important than God, you won't be safe. Circumstances can take it all away. A dream, a plan, a child. If those things are ultimate things in your life, if they are what um, your, your life revolves around in some whole way, then if they disappear, and they will, or they get jacked up, you essentially don't have a, have a self left, or at least a whole self. The meaning in your life is gone or broken. But in difficult moments, if we can learn to make sure that the things in our life, the good things in our life are in proper order, things are ordered in terms of true importance, if we can take our hearts off of lesser loves, if we stop looking for things other than God to bring us deep soul rest and joy, well, then we can endure the trials of everyday life. This isn't about loving your kids less or loving your job less, but loving God more in relation to them. And if we don't do this, the, the, the I don't know, the, the, the career will possess our soul. If we don't do this, if we don't put God first, our family will actually be the thing that possesses our soul and it will eat us alive. I mention this almost every time I marry somebody is you need to have an image of the two of you standing side by side, looking in the same direction. If, if the image that you have of your marriage is the two of you gazing only into each other's eyes and that's where you're going to get all your worth and that's what's going to like ground everything, root everything in peace, that's going to be the thing that really allows things to kind of finally work out, you are going to be horribly disappointed. No, the two of you actually need to have the deepest parts of your soul finding their rest in Christ. Because all of those things, career and even beautiful things like family and plans and dreams, they just aren't meant to carry the weight of your soul. But if God is our ultimate hope, that means we are in a very real way safe. In Psalm 91, it's not I will protect you from all trouble. It's you will be safe through all trouble. It's not I will keep you from trouble. It's you will be safe through all trouble. I was drawn uh, to the image in the Psalm of the bird covering her children. It's an image that Jesus uses as, as well, like a mother bird. I in, um, in, uh, in Luke, um, Jesus says, as he's looking out over the city, about to go to the cross, he cries out, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophet. So he's talking to his family, like his larger church, his tribe. And he's saying, you who kill the prophets and stone those uh, who, sent, uh, who are sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing that image of God covering over his family, over his children, 
The psalmist here says in verse four, he will cover you in his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness, it says, will be your shield and rampart. What's the mother hen, the bird doing here, right? It's being a substitute. She is laying down her life. If there's heat coming down on her chicks, the mother gets the heat. If there's rain and wind, the mother is the one getting pelted. If there's a predator coming to eat her young, mom's the one who's going to get attacked and eaten. Jesus, on the cross, took what you and I deserve for our sin so that you can know that, one, you aren't being punished for your sin. This is not why bad things are happening to you. He conquered death, giving us a glimpse of what the future for all of us can look like. This is a way of him keeping you safe. This is a show of sacrificial love saying, I am with you in the trouble. I am going to take the weight of all of the evil and brokenness on myself. This is the story of the cross and the resurrection, the good news of who Jesus is. And when we begin to rest in that reality, when we can begin to rest in, the, in what I believe are these really unbelievable promises in Psalm 91 that the Lord will protect you and be a refuge for you in trouble, that he will guard you. There's all this really strong language and then this tender mother hen language. Like all of this um, seeming contradiction comes together in this beautiful image that, that I think helps us live out, hopefully just today, well. It reminds me of the old uh, psalm, like, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. That's the line. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. The writer, at the end of the psalm, I'm sorry, at the beginning of the song, says, I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There is this need for us in this moment to say to ourselves, to our soul, to God, to our neighbor, that our God can be trusted in this moment that because we know the end, that because um, we know uh, that our God is working all things together for good, because we know that even in um, persecution and even in pressure and even in uncertainty, because in all of that, we know that God gives us everything we need to walk with endurance and to even thrive and flourish that we know it someday we will look back and say for all those things that were meant for evil, God brought something beautiful out of it. All of that, all of that finds its place for me in this Psalm. As I declare, I know Lord, you are my refuge. I know Lord that you walk with me through all of this. I know Lord and can feel and touch and experience your wings covering me you taking the ache and pain and brokenness on yourself for even me. So might we 
family as we head into a tumultuous season, out of one and into another. Might we trust, might we trust, might we trust. Let's pray. Lord, my, um, Lord, my prayer for especially the most just beat down, struggling and vulnerable among us. Lord, is that you would fill us with, with a deeper faith. with better vision. You would come in mercy and grace, Lord. When we don't have that vision, Lord, when we just don't have any faith left. And remind us, Lord, where our true refuge is, where our true source of life and joy and beauty and goodness is, Lord. I don't know where so many people are at right now, Lord, but... I know that when we explore the depths of that line, that simple, simple lyric, I know the one who holds the future, that life then is worth the living just because he lives, that in endurance I will find life, that when I have that pers- these perspectives, Lord, I will find safety and refuge and rest. Lord, I pray Lord, that we as a, as a family, that visitors who are watching today, that we would, um, you would help us, Lord, explore the depths of that for ourselves. Pray all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.